Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Welcome everybody to the Defining Time Show on Fifth Wrist Radio. Fifth Wrist is all about brutally honest watch reviews for the community and it's set up by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So before we get into it, please like and subscribe to the podcast because it all helps and head over to Fifth Wrist on Instagram and jump onto the website and review one of your watches. So my name's Anthony, I'm from Defining Time and I'm joined by my co-host Vinny. How are you going, mate? Very good today, thanks, Anthony. How are you? Yeah, Good. After some small technical difficulties, we're uh, finally doing it, which is great. Um, today, we are going to have a chat to a, a lovely man called Tom from Watch Adventure. G'day, Tom. How are you going? G'day, boys. Good to be here with you, everyone. Uh, it's going to be fun. So, sorry it took us, uh, what was it, nearly 40 minutes to get started, but uh, but we got there anyway. Um, before we get into it, I do just want to get a quick shout out to my wife, who uh, it was my birthday yesterday, and she uh, went to the trouble uh, with some help from Vinny in uh, making me a, uh, a Moser cake. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, if you jump onto Instagram, my profile, you can have a look. But uh, she ma- she actually made the cake and then got the topper. Um, but it was very very nice. So thanks for your help, Vinny. Oh, I had nothing. I had nothing to do with it. It was, it was all Mel. So yeah, she did a great <laughs> job. And happy birthday uh, for next day. Uh, yesterday. Uh, Thank you very much. And now, Tom, before we get started, I've been asked by Alex, are you wearing your special costume that you promised him you would? <laughs> Look, uh, I, I'm not, but I, I tell Alex that uh, it's definitely on order. Um, it just hasn't arrived in the mail yet. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, we have no idea what, what you're talking about, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Won't All ask right. any questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into wrist checks and uh, drink checks, we'll, uh, what we want to do today is we want to get to know Tom a little bit better. Tom's a, a great enthusiast from the Melbourne watch community, and uh, we'll have a bit of chat to him about his watches and some of the things that he gets up to. And then we're going to do a battle, and the battle today is uh, vintage watches. Uh, and what we're going to do is uh, 1K or below 1K, um, below 10K, and then no limit. So we're each of us are going to pick three watches each, um, and and you know have a chat about you know why they're cool, why we think they're, they're they could be part of a three watch vintage collection. Uh, so it's going to be interesting because uh, I I know nothing about vintage, and it was quite interesting actually doing this. Um, but uh, yeah, more to come on that a little bit later. But let's do some wrist checks. So we'll go with our special guest Tom. What are you wearing today on your wrist? Uh, well, today I'm actually wearing. Um uh, my 37 millimeter Grand Seiko uh, reference SBG W231. Um, it was the watch that uh, I think Hadinki was uh, selling this one when they were available um, about 18 months ago, and I've had it for about 18 months. Um, and it would probably be, um, if not the favorite, right up there with my favorite watch. Uh, gorgeous piece. Yeah. Yeah. It is an awesome, awesome watch, and it's such a perfect size, and it just it, it does it all. So very yeah. nice. Vinny, what about you? Uh, today I've got my Tudor Pelagos LHD on. I think, you know, watch adventure, Tom himself. I thought I'd have my most adventure-inspired piece on today, <laughs> so I'm rocking that one. Well done, well done. 
Very good, very good. And I've got my Rolex BLNR. I thought uh, it was a BLNR day today, so I thought I'd just do that. Uh, and drinks, what are we drinking? Tom, what about you? I've got a special surprise for all you whiskey drinkers and gin ah. drinkers. Listen to this. Ah. Uh, that's Love the, that. Love that's that. the top of my uh, Victoria bitter can. Oh. I'm not going to pretend, boys, that I drink uh, whiskey and and all the rest of the fancy stuff. I'm a, I'm a beer man, and this is as simple as it gets and as good as it gets, if you ask me. Uh, so I've got a couple awesome. uh, ready to go. <laughs> Double Very parked good. VBs. That is true blue as it gets, <laughs> and we love it. We absolutely love it. Uh, can we? Can we? So we're we're starting to get a few international listeners, which is fantastic. And thank you to all of them. Can we describe VB? Go on, Tom. Give us give us a, a description of VB. Oh, look, VB would be a quintessential um, beer, um, a bogan beer or a hillbilly beer, I guess you could say. Um, it's full flavoured, um, readily available. Um, and uh, it's well, I, I guess it's very Australian, that drink, I suppose. Yeah. It is. It is very Australian. All right, Vinny, what about you? Um, don't have Black Label today, which is good. I've mixed it up with um, Woodford Reserve. Kentucky bourbon whiskey. So, oh, so you nice. can drink scotch and bourbon. Yeah, I don't mind. Oh. I'm not picky. I'm, oh, I can't, I'm too young to be picky at the moment. So, you know, I'll just drink anything that's put in front of me. But this one is particularly nice. Very good. Very good. And just for Alex, I have a mid-strength, low-carb, uh, although it's not mid-strength, but anyway, a uh, one of my favorite pure blondes. Can't get enough of it. So, all right, let's get into it. So uh, we wanted to, you know, we, we really want to get to know Tom. And, and this podcast is is all about getting to know our watch community and who our enthusiasts are. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and why are you a watch enthusiast? Um, yeah, look, again, boys, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I guess it's my earliest memories of having a watch, I think, I might have been four or five and we're on Christmas holidays and I bought or mum bought me either a navy blue or black Casio F91 digital watch or it was a Pulsar, something or other. Um, but I remember having that um, for a birthday present um, and that, yeah, I would have been five or six. So that's a very, very long time ago. Um, my dad had a Seiko that we lost in the ocean um, growing up at Christmas time as well, and he wasn't a real watch nerd or anything, um, and that's probably where it started. Um, I had a rip curl watch when I was probably 12, 13, 14. I remember the, the, the bezel got popped off playing footy. Um, we sent it back, and then we got a brand new watch. Uh, I remember it was a, I had a gold bezel and a green dial and a, and a leather strap, and it was obviously awesome. Um, my 21st birthday, I got a, um, a Citizen uh, Eco Drive. It was a Nighthawk or one of those Aviator models, um, and that was pretty cool. And this was just because I thought watches were cool, and that's probably how um, I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about them because I think whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, young or old, I think we buy watches and wear them because we think they're cool, and they are cool um, in a sense. So... Um, and after that, I think I've always wanted to be like James Bond. And I, my first real watch I bought myself was a, um, a Planet Ocean, um, you know, just the standard 42 millimeter. I think it was um, Quantum of Solace might have done one, the Titanium version, perhaps. This was an earlier model, ETA movement, um, saved up, 
and at the time it was maybe three and a half thousand bucks and I bought it from a US site and it was when the Aussie dollar was sort of parity with the US and I remember looking at the Rolexes from um, some listeners will know Alex Pig on Chrono 24, um, the Hong Kong dealer and uh, some of those Rolexes were I think the subs were maybe four and a half and maybe the matte dial subs were five and a half and at the time I didn't really know matte dials and glossy dials i just knew that i liked the older ones and naturally i couldn't afford it. i mean three and a half thousand dollars for you know a 23 24 year old um is is an absorbent amount of money um but anyway i popped on it and uh i just thought i was the coolest um <laughs> so that's probably how that sort of journey started and it wasn't i had sort of no influences or people nobody in my life was really into watches or anything like that my brother likes watches as well but there was no sort of outlet to explore um, the hobby or, you know, get any, any sort of extra information. I never knew that Hodinki was a, um, you know, a publication until probably a few years ago. Um, so that's probably where it started. And then um, I had that Planet Ocean and I wore it every day. I'm, I didn't even take it off to go to bed for probably five years. Um, and testament to how good those Amigas are and that, and that coaxial movement, I reckon – when I sold it to buy a Rolex sub um, probably four or five years ago, it it was two seconds a day. Um, and you think, that's just so good. What a watch. Um, so that's probably um, my journey until I met um, you guys maybe 18 months ago. And then um, obviously things got a bit crazy after that, didn't it? So <laughs> thanks. It's downhill from there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So um, now you're into your sort of, not, not collecting side of things, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, how do you choose a watch? What are some of the things that, that have to be in a watch for you to, to like it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting how we all have our different sort of um, uh, things that we go through when we buy a watch. Um, I've only got a small collection. I've got five watches at the moment, um, and all my watches have to be wearable, um, and they have to um, be able to serve their purpose um, without too much fuss. Um, so first and foremost is can I wear it, you know, every day or if not every other day? Um, it's got a – and I sort of uh, – my friends um, tell me I dress like an 80-year-old man. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so it's also got to look good with what I'm wearing. Um, and, again, obviously the aesthetics plays in um, a lot to do with that as well. So it's got to be very pleasing to the eye. And uh, what I touched on earlier, it has to be cool. Um, I, when if, if I'm choosing a watch, I think to myself, if I saw somebody else um, in the wild with that watch, what would I think or how would that make me feel? Um, and if I look at that watch and think, wow, that's cool, um, you know, that's, that's another sort of tick box I have. Um, but most of, most of all, it's, uh, it's wearability um, and durability and, um, yeah, it's got to be cool. So just quickly, because I want to, um, you know, you can tell your friends they don't know what they're talking about. Cause, no idea. Tom, you, you have some serious style, whether it's herringbone pants or, you know, some <laughs> awesome sports blazer. Um, you know, where did all that come from? Because it's quite, it's quite unique. It's quite English um, yeah, sort of it style. Is. It is. Um, I'm not too sure where it came from. Um and I like, um, I do like antiques and older furniture and that sort of, um, we talk about patina with watches, but I like the, the, the patina with probably all things, whether it's yeah. steel or wood or like, I like leather and, and shoes. Um, and I don't know where that sort of came from. Um, 
I really liked Indiana Jones growing up. Harrison Ford was just the best. And um, for all the Star Wars nerds out there, my brother was Luke Skywalker and I was Han Solo um, because of Harrison Ford. But maybe Indiana Jones because he had um, that sort of um, that sort of swaggery style with that sort of um, dressed up but ready to go look um, with hats and boots and um, yeah. So I don't know where that came from. Um, it's somewhere along the lines because naturally growing up, um, we all sort of watch the same movies, um, you know, 50 times over again. So um, yeah. I, I guess some, somewhere along the way, that, that's sort of that's where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can absolutely attest for your style. I remember meeting you for the first time and. Not only was the watch on your wrist amazing, but yeah, I was like, damn, this guy's got style, you know? He's looking, looking good. <laughs> Thanks, man. Almost felt underdressed in a pub, and that's no, no easy feat. Um, <laughs> but also, the thing that when we first all caught up together, the energy and the passion that you have for watches instantly is translated through just that, like, this is cool. I like this because I feel cool when I wear this. Um, and telling your story of how you got into watches just reflects that perfectly, like your energy, your passion, and what speaks to you. It's not about, you know, how it looks, other people looking at, oh, that guy, you know, has that watch. It's just like, I feel cool wearing this piece. This is my watch. Um, and it's it's absolutely great, you know, to have met you and keep you close in this community because, yeah, fantastic. Um, you touched on before, you've got five watches. And I know, again, a lot of us in our circle, they have excess of 10 up to 20, not naming names, shout out to the chunky wrist, um, <laughs> and JP Melves, friends of the show. But why is, why is five sort of the happy number? Because I know for Anthony and myself, we like five as well, or I've got four at the moment, but around that number, it's not a lot, but it just seems to work well for us. And why is that the magic number for you? Yeah, look, I think at one stage I had, um, I had seven or eight watches and um, I've got a sort of a, an office job. Um, so I'm not sort of, you know, out in the, out in the wild banging up my watches every day. Um, and so I've got a couple of dress watches, a couple of vintage watches and, you know, weekend sort of warrior. Um, it got to the stage where I, I wasn't wearing a couple of watches for maybe seven or eight or nine or 10 days. And it was, um, I wanted to wear those watches. It just, they just weren't getting worn. And it was a bit like, well, this is just a waste of money sitting in the box. Um, I'm not here to, um, you know, keep them safe and, and keep them out of harm's way. I want these watches and I want to wear them and I want to enjoy them. So um, I sort of, yeah, culled the herd a little bit. Um, you know, I sort of morphed into three three sort of watches into into two nicer pieces and, um, you know, sh- shrunk the collection that way. And and this way, it's you get to wear them all as much as you like and, I know some of these, uh, some of us watch nerds have the same affliction, but um, I've already won um, three watches today. Um, so, you know, having five, I get to roll through them, you know, sometimes in two days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's gold. Um, that's gold. I'm not one for the afternoon change up, but I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Changing to your evening watch. Correct. Right. So um, it, it's interesting, though, because as you do that, and, you know, I, I have the five that I sort of wear mostly. Um, but it's, it gets harder and harder as you go on because then you see something else that you like and you're thinking to yourself, shit, how, what, which one, uh, I don't know, maybe I just won't get it and keep what I've got. But have you ever come to sort of that decision where you're thinking, gee, I'd like one of those, but I, I just, I can't justify it cause I don't want to get rid of anything in my collection. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think um, it's the longer that uh, that we're into this sort of stuff, um, it you can be patient. You know, the watches, you know, albeit sometimes you want something that's uh, there's only a few out there, or it's limited, or it's already sold. You have to be patient, and the watch is still going to be available in six months, or twelve months, or eighteen months time. So if you can show some restraint, and um, if you do want to move on a piece or sell a piece and put some cash towards, or or maybe sell two pieces to get that other that the other one, um, I, I'm sort of in the spot where uh, there's not much that I want to let go of, and I'm in a position now where I can't exactly just save up any more money and and trump for a watch, so it's something would have to be sold, um, and the and the only watch I, that I, that I may part with. It isn't worth it. It's not going to get me where I want to be anyway. So right now it's it's pretty locked in. Um, mm. But um, as we know, you do more research and uh, your, your tastes change, and you might see something that they uh, really have to have. And um, yeah, it may be something that you thought you wouldn't sell. Um, all of a sudden, is on, on the market, and away she goes. Um, but I, but I do think sometimes, gee whiz, um, you know that that lung a annual calendar can be purchased <laughs> if I just sell these two watches. Um, so, but yeah, maybe one day, who knows? Yeah. I think um, one of the other things that I was going to, I'm going to do a whole podcast on this, but we were chatting about it the other day when we were sort of setting this up. Um, and it's the idea of, do you need to actually own the watch to enjoy it? And is the research yeah. side of things and, and potentially the hunt is it enough to sort of fill that void of I need this thing? Um, what are your thoughts, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm I'm massive for you know appreciation of watches, you know, from afar if you like. Um, you know, there's some watches that don't that I know won't fit me aesthetically. You know, won't be they're not going to be in my collection because they don't 100% work. Um, but it still mean, it doesn't mean that I don't think it's absolutely ripping. And super super cool. Um, it's yeah. I, I'm not a huge, um, for some reason, blue dial watch fan. I could, can't see myself having a blue dial watch, but mm. I see so many blue dial watches, and I think, well, wow, it's 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 a really beautiful piece. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, learning and having the ability to um, appreciate your mate's watch um, and and you know appreciating watches from a distance um, is something that we should all sort of try and aspire to. And mm. also the fact that um, you can't have everything. No. Um, if we wanted to buy everything we wanted to, um, we'd just be recycling our collection flat out and we wouldn't be able to enjoy a piece and, and make memories with them either. So, um, mm. yeah. It's true. What about you, Vinny? Um, yeah, I'm advocate advocate for it now. I think when I was earlier on, like, oh, I need to have a Speedy, I need to have a Sub, I need to have one of everything <laughs> that makes watch collecting, like the iconic pieces, and that's – like the generic version of collecting is to have one of the iconic pieces, but I've definitely learned um, catching up with everyone on a regular basis. I don't need to own that piece to appreciate it for exactly what it is. And it makes it even more of a treat to see it. Not so often, for example, something like um, JP's overseas. Yeah. I love that watch to death, but it doesn't mean I have to own it. Cause I know every time I see JP, He'll happily bring it along. I can marvel at it because at the moment for me, it's just not within reach. It's not feasible. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely, I've shifted from one side to the other and going, okay, I um, like to keep my collection small and appreciate everything from afar because exactly like Tom said, you just can't own them all. Yeah, but I think as well for you, Vinny, like you've done some great um, week on the wrist um, 
uh, reviews on watches and things like that and, and you had one of your grails in your hands for a week and I suppose this is probably not the watch to ask about it but if if you could have a watch just for a week and enjoy it and then give it back and then you've created some memories you've you know you've written up a beautiful article about it does that does that help do you think that you actually got to touch and feel it or does that make the craving even worse this is a very bittersweet feeling. It's a very good question. It's better to have loved and lost than to not have loved at all. And I think Correct. the week on the wrist was, oh, first of all, shout out to Dane at the watch vault, yeah. letting me have it for the week. Um, yeah, fell head over heels with that thing. And I think it has made the craving stronger. And every yeah. time I think about buying a watch, I always now compare it with go, all right, if I just put it away and saved it, how much closer would I be to that Vacheron traditional? Mm. Um, but yeah. I definitely, mm. having it for the week solidified, okay, this is the end game for me. And, yeah, it was definitely a good experience for me to have that and mm. experience it because then I, now I know for sure, yeah, that's the end game. That's my goal. Instead of getting to the end and going, oh, should I really do this? Um, now there's no doubt that, like, yeah, if I can one day have the funds to go and purchase one, I think I would. So, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it, it does, and I think we'll we'll continue this conversation when we try and. Oh, I really would like to do a, a full show just on this and really dive deep into it because there's there's a week trying it on, there's trying it on in the shop, there's having your friend bring it to a, a get together, there's uh, and then there's just not having it at all, or there's those uh, things on Chrono that you can put your wrist up and see it and visualize it. But anyway, let's get back to Tom. So outside of um, outside of watches but complementing watches what are some of the other hobbies or things that you're into yeah look um it was right around the time i finished playing um aussie rules footy um about 18 months ago that i said to my fiance i need to get out there and um you know uh maybe explore this watch hobby um and that's when i reached out to, to red bar and met you guys yeah. um which was which has just been awesome and um for, I, i've I'm, I'm a guy that obviously I wear my watches. Um, I've, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of vintage Rolexes and one of those is a, a 1680 um, sub from uh, 1977. And um, I've been on hikes with that thing. Um, I recently uh, started surf, surfing again with my with my bro. Um, and, yeah, sure, 1977 sub, got it serviced. Um, got it pressure tested, and the 77 sub was out there at 13th Beach down at Bowen Heads, um, you know, surfing some waves. So, and Bloody I know awesome. That, uh, yeah, so a few guys who think that I'm crazy. Um, it was tucked under the wetsuit, um, but still, it was, you know, survive. Everything was cool. And w- without doubt, when I'm laying on my surfboard and I just, um, you know, look down at my wrist and, and there's this, you know, 40 – 43 year old watch um that just looks as uh, as cool as ever um yeah i felt absolutely i felt like i was killing it yeah absolutely so surfing a little bit i was gonna say if we go back to your collection um i i love that watch the um the sub and i, I love that it's on that beautiful beige um uh, the beige nato i think it's just the best combination of yeah sort of it's just got it it has it all going all day every day it just it rocks um what's your favorite watch in your collection 
Yeah, look, it's um, you know I am lucky enough to have um, some some those those, those Rolexes and a, a 1675 GMT, um, and I've always wanted a Matt Dial sub. It was like you know ten years ago I wanted one and was out of reach. Now I have one. Um, and meeting um, JP Melbs and you guys um, 18 months ago, JP Melbs had the um, had a Grand Seiko when it was the first one I'd ever seen in person, and I was blown away. I was just blown away how good it was. Um, and then in my search, I obviously picked up my own Grand Seiko, um, something that fitted me and that I love. Um, yeah, so the SBG um, W231, um, it's on par with my favourite watch and. Um, for some reason, it makes me feel so, uh, I don't know, vindicated for buying what you like, I guess. Mm. Um, it, it feels like um, every time I look at it, the watches, it's mine. It was from you, um, so I get to make my own memories with it. Um, and it goes very close to my favourite watch. Yeah, and, and the thing is about it, um, the, the shape of the case, and it's very boring and sober. Um, but the way that it's finished, obviously, Grand Seiko are the masters at that. Um, the Zeratsu polishing and the indices, uh, the way that it's done, the way that it um, catches light and uh, and looks back at you is um, is just something else. And that you, one of those ones where you have to have it on wrist and have to wear it for a day or so to sort of realise what it is. Um, so that's probably um, my favourite watch because it's sort of um, it, it sort of more, maybe morphed me or. Um, educated on me on maybe finishing and why a watch is finished and and and, and set the way that it is. Um, so, yeah, the Grand mm. Seiko is pretty special. Yeah, I did not see that coming. What about you, Vinny? Did you think it would be the Grand Seiko? Those those three watches that you mentioned are actually the three watches I always think of when I think of Tom, and it's that yeah. Pepsi GMT, which is absolutely banging condition. Same as that 1680 sub. I, I didn't really get the whole submariner, vintage submariner thing until I saw your particular yeah. example, Tom. It yep. is an yeah. absolute ripper. And I thought, yep, I get it. It's, it's bloody cool. <laughs> it's damn cool. And to think that you're going surfing with it, yeah, using it for what it's like kind of intended for, being submerged, yeah, even more even more points for you to, for that. Um, and then seeing also how much you love that Grand Seiko, uh, yeah, those no-brainer for me. Uh, those are the three watches that I obviously just associate with you. So, yeah, yeah no surprises. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, bro. I think the 1680 is probably my fave because I love it on that NATO. But to be really nerdy here, the date disc on that watch, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but it's like this <laughs> yeah. silvery colour and just the yeah. font of the, the numerals. Like, it just it, it gets me. and that, that is super nerdy, but it, it just does. Really, really nerdy, and something that um, in my uh, my research with these things, I only picked up at the last minute that of those. Um, and hate to be the podcast that talks about Rolexes and, and the stupid details, <laughs> but, we're, but we're doing it. Um, Let's go. Yeah, about the um, yeah, a lot of the silvery disc uh, wheels were changed out with servicing. You know, um, you know, mm-hmm. years after they were um, uh, after they were produced, and um, yeah, when I got this one, and it had uh, obviously it had the silvery um, disc wheel, open sixes and nines, and yeah. My birthday is the ninth. Today is the ninth, and it's got the open nine on it today. I'm thinking, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Very. Yeah. We'll have to get a picture and put it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
All right, cool. Let's uh, let's let's get this going. I'm I'm keen to battle with you guys and see where we can go with this and keep talking watches. So um, we will. So we're going to do as I said before. Uh, it's a battle of vintage um, with someone that knows vintage somewhat, although he's uh, modest that he, he you know he's he's into him, but uh, not a not an expert by any means. To to two guys that well actually no Vinny, I can't say that anymore because you've got your King Seiko now. I'm Vinny's still very digging. novice. I'm You're still very novice. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting there. Um, and I've got no idea. So we'll, we'll just go with that. Um, but we'll, uh, so under 1K, under 10K and uh, uh, no limit. And the, the rules originally were pre-1970 and then I found it too hard. So I made it 1970s included and then pre that. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll start with Tom. He can, uh, he can kick us off and tell us what your sub 1k is and we'll save the the no limits for for the end yeah right so um the 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 sub 1k i've gone something that's um obviously you know um it's attainable and something that um i would wear and something that i would wear want to wear every day if i had just the one watch and it is uh, a 1960s yemma skin diver um it's a uh, inca block um, 200 meter dive watch pretty plain pretty basic there's one on chronic 24 i'm looking at now um it's got a nice sort of um you know standard sort of bezel um cool looking watch and i'd uh, get it serviced and i get it pressure tested and that'd be mine thousand, thousand bucks yeah good one very good love that style as well it's, it's, yeah it's very yeah. cool awesome good pick Vinny. what about you yeah so i think i've sort of cheated a bit here but I've just, i pick a watch that i actually own yeah um, see tom i told you he would yeah <laughs> it's you did say that <laughs> it's sub one thousand dollars king seiko 4402 and it has the sort of first iteration of taro tanaka's grammar of design which we associate with grand seiko today so yeah. lots of polished facets um for under a thousand aussie there's not i don't i don't know it's, i couldn't find anything else that i just thought I loved as much as this one because it gives me all the Grand Seiko vibes and it has mm-hmm. the Zaratsu polishing on the hands and the indices and it's an absolute bargain. They can they can be hard to find in decent condition as well, but yeah, for the price, I just roll the dice. Um, I think I think it's worth it because I'm so happy with mine. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool and so you. Uh, yeah, awesome. Thank you. You've done well. All right, cool. I have gone with a Omega Classic Mechanical um, 1966 34 mil center seconds um, manual wine. So it, it's just that quintessential Omega. It's not a Seamaster or anything like that. It's just a plain dial Omega um, silver dial with some um, stick markers and those beautiful um, sort of stick hands that they made that curved at the end, which followed the, the curvature of the dial. Um, yeah, I love that. Love oh, that. It's just so cool. Like, and this one's six six hundred and seventy six bucks. Um, okay. And the lugs. I mean, Amiga were known. I mean, all the watch brands were doing it back in those those six fifties and sixties. But I think for me, this one has. Um, if you can picture the the Lunga eighteen fifteen lugs, where they sort of come out a tiny bit and then they shoot straight up. 
Um, and it's that kind of style. Uh, and I just, I picture this on a black NATO, a gray NATO, a beige NATO, like whatever color don't, NATO you want. Don't start with the NATOs again, <laughs> Ant. Come uh, on. Okay. What about a custom made alligator, yeah. you know, double sided padded yeah. strap? Can we yeah. say that? Yeah. Or glossy, like glossy alligator. Like it would yeah. just, it would just be awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think some of these watches, and you think of the money that the you know six hundred and seventy bucks for something like this, um, even yours, Vinny, um, uh, you know the one that you've got now, like they're just there's so much value and joy and fun to be had at this price range that every time I do these things, I just think to myself, bloody hell, like you could stick one of these in your collection, keep it for thirty years, and it would be super super cool. Yeah, and and whilst we're on this sub one thousand or around that one thousand mark in my search, um, I just wanted to give a shout out to a website watches eighty three uh, the number eight the number three dot com. Yeah, uh, it's a vintage watch shop that I come across. Um, I think it's they're in Barcelona, and if you're bored and you want to waste five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks on you know that like those sort of um, um, generic name. Um, brands that were obviously just getting made by the bigger brands. Um, so much cool stuff on there for, you know, 500 bucks, 300 bucks, 1,000 bucks. So just whoever watches 83.com are, cool site, awesome watches. Yeah, nice. I'll um, we'll also we'll put some pictures up uh, a couple of days after this goes live because we want to let let some people have the suspense for a little while. But then after a couple of days, we'll stick a picture up on uh, on Instagram and you can have a look at the watches that we're talking about because yeah, super super cool, especially for the price. It's just awesome. Mm. All right, let's mix it up, Vinny. We'll go with you. So sub ten k vintage. Where did you go? Uh, so. Just before I share my answer, if you want to have a go at this challenge, hashtag us with your story, Futurist yeah. Radio, have a go, and also tell us where we went wrong on this one because we'll be happy to hear it. Um, I've gone with the Omega Seamaster 300 from 1972. It's mm-hmm. got the twisted lugs, uh, sword-style hands. It's got that sort of old-school military look um, that shares the military vibes of like the issued... Seamasters. Um, I know that mm-hmm. obviously the price range jumps if you want a really, a real deal paper certified military Seamaster. But for 9,600 Australian dollars, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And it has carries that same sort of feeling with Tom's uh, Submariner. You know, Rolex yep. enthusiast, please don't yep. kill me. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it gives me that same sort of like tool watch, wear it anywhere, do anything vibe. And I'm sure if you did the same thing, service pressure test, it would be just as capable today as it was in 1972, and it, it just looks beautiful. Um, yeah, and, and that's this, my is, this is one of the watches where I was saying before, if somebody was wearing this at a, at a watch meet, I'd go, a bit, I'd go a bit giddy and go, whoa, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Um, Tom, let's go. All right, so... I'm going to change it up a little bit here. I'm going to go with, and I don't have a chronograph in my collection at the moment. Uh, I'm going to go with a Leonidas CP2. Um, these are sort of in the um, in the frame of those old some Bundes Sveja, whatever whatever they were called. Um, yeah, yep. back that's, in the days. That's yeah. a technical term. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's right, is it? Yeah. yeah so Leonidas CP2, um, two register chrono. 
Um, and it's probably, I don't know, maybe between, I guess, 6,000 and 10,000 bucks, probably 43 millimeter. Um, so cool. Obviously you get the old, I think it would be tritium by then. Um, but very sort of, um, sober um as it's not a uh, the registers are obviously the same color as the dial um but it's got that sort of military um do anything sort of spec um and for i've had one watch um less than ten thousand bucks yeah this is from the 60s and i reckon this is uh this is just rocking and they got the really really cool um uh, the seconds hand it's got a big sort of fat sort of triangle on the bottom of it with some loom in there cool really cool very good Awesome. All right. I'm going to come in with the big blow here. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Let me clear my throat. Uh, so how I picked this watch, I wanted one watch. I always like to have, and I, and I probably, it, it's it's interesting because I don't have a watch like this in my collection, but I've been looking for one for a while. And I thought when I build these collections, I always want something that's a bit funky or that, that's got a weird shape or something like that that's just sits a bit different on the wrist. Um you can wear it for different occasions, and and I wanted to make sure that I had something like this in here. So I've gone with a very rare uh, Lamania bullhead chronograph. Uh, uh, this one's got a black dial, and this one is new old stock for $8,134. It is stunning. So it's from approximately 1970. Um, it's got a caliber, manual wine caliber, two-register chronograph, but it's the old um, – the the 12 o'clock and six o'clock register with no dates. So nothing sort of making it non-symmetrical other than the, um, the text for the writing. Um, but manual wind caliber 1872, 48 hour power reserve. It's 38 mil by 43 mil. So it's not a small watch, uh, by any means. Plexiglass comes on this textile beige, um, strap. And yeah, I've been, I've been eyeing off a few of these bullhead chronographs, for a little while because they they just sort of sit really sort of buff on the wrist um they they stick out they're they're a real sort of bulldozer so to speak um <laughs> pardon the pardon the pun um but yeah do you guys like bullheads what do you guys think of them did not see that coming at mm. all i Left saw field. yeah in my search um for these chronographs i saw a bullhead chrono and i thought that's killer and the first time I've only seen one in real life, and I think might have been Dimmy had one, a, a Seiko bullhead maybe. Yes, yes. And he did have one, didn't he? And when I, I, I felt it, and that was sort of the first vintage Seiko I'd um, I'd been able to sort of put on, have a look at. Man, so much watch. So, yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome choice. But even even just it's a manual wind with a crown at yeah. 12 o'clock yeah like it's just so cool and i know omega makes some really beautiful they've done some awesome re-editions for great prices and theirs are at uh their the crowns at six o'clock with the two the two pushes at sort of 11 and one and yeah they're just funky they're just different they're you know you, you're not going to see too many around either um no. and, I, and i think that's pretty cool like but to find something that's you know near on 50 years old new old stock you get to put the first scratches on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, 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 very cool. Why aren't we buying these watches? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because we're idiots and, and this is <laughs> yeah. the fun. Yeah, hey, this is the bit fun. we're talking about before where you can buy the – you don't have to buy the watch to enjoy Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can just text your mate before you get to the get-together and say, you make sure you've got that in your satchel. <laughs> exactly. I want to get a grubby. I 
how are we going to do the uh, the grand finale? What's the? Do you want me to just run this? Who wants to go last? And we'll count back from then. Guest, uh, guest go last, I think. Guest. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Let's do it. All right, Vinny, you went first last time, so I'll uh, I'll double back here. Um, now this one was really difficult for me uh, because it no limit. Like, how much do you spend, and and what do you buy, and what's important to you? And I just want to tell you where I went first, and then I'll tell you where I landed. I hope that's okay. But you know, I love the the Cartier Centre. And, you know, there's some beautiful ones from 1924 that are just ridiculously stunning. They they don't keep time very well. They're not very reliable um, and for obvious reasons. Right. But I think it's the the, the part about that the d- design has not changed for so many years. But that's where I wanted to go. Um, but I, I just I couldn't find one, couldn't find one for sale. Um, and there's just not enough of them uh, information about them on the Internet. So I have settled for and this is the reason why i picked the omega at the start because i wanted that to be my dress watch then the bullhead is my funky watch that i can sort of wear um you know for for different casual occasions uh, and then i've gone with a rolex explorer 2 1655 steel matte black dial 1975 it's just wow. insane Wow. Just insane. I was nodding my so, head at every yeah. syllable you were expressing there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So $28,122 Australian. Um, again, this one's in immaculate condition. I would take it straight off the jingly jangly uh, bracelet and put it on a beautiful beige <laughs> black NATO. And I would happily wear that every day of the week because it's just a stunning watch and something that I've always, always, always admired. So there you have it. That is I my. Now, I now know the title of the next episode of our podcast. Our next podcast <laughs> will be "Watches That Won't Go on a NATO" by the Defining Time Show, because <laughs> there aren't there aren't many that will not be put on a NATO. Well, you all saw the uh, Elangan Sun that I tagged on that uh, pink NATO today, and that was stunning. Naughty. How good Naughty. was that? <laughs> all right, so there you have it. That is my – that is, and, and you know what? I suppose the interesting part to this is for a lot of vintage collectors out there, you know, th- this is a fantastic watch. I mean, a lot of people know that, and it's a very well-respected watch, but it's also an uneducated vintage person's um, pick because it's – not so much hyped, but it's talked about. It's it's you know it's all over the forums, it's all over Instagram, um, and it's just a very well known watch. But because I don't I don't have the knowledge of going to the deep into the vintage stuff. I'm sure I've done all right, but I think um, I think that was just important to say. Vinny, over to you. Okay, so vintage watch. I think the reason you buy a vintage watch is to live in today but with the thoughts of a previous life is you're putting on this watch. You want to, you want to feel like you're living in a different time. And so if that's the feeling I'm chasing and I'll go, what, what is the watch that will give me that best feeling? Um, I've picked a Patek Philippe reference 2526, which is the, again, OG Calatrava time only. The one I'm looking at the moment is from a Phillips auction because money's no op- no money's no object. I can buy whatever I like. I can go to a Phillips option, and sure. I can spend sixty-two thousand five hundred Swiss francs on a Calatrava. But this one happens to be co-signed. Um, 
by the retailer Serpico and Leno, which is in Spain, which probably bumped up the price even more. But even if it didn't have a cosine, I'd be more than happy with this because it is just the perfect expression of a dress watch. And if I put that on and I'm wearing a suit or I'm going to a dinner, I feel like I'm not in 2020. I'm in a different decade. I'm mm. Mobile phones aren't a thing. Laptops, computers, what are those? I am driving a manual car, no hydro, like hydraulic steering, no power steering, and I'm <laughs> off smoking cigars and you know doing whatever because I'm in a different life. And I think this watch would be the one I want on my wrist for that express that expression of getting out of getting a different feeling from my timepiece. So that was my that was nice. My piece. And it, these uh, they have the enamel dials. Is that right? I believe it's sort so. of sort of yeah. um, off white egg jelly yep. and then mm-hmm. yep. yeah, just delicious. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. I love it. I love that. That is, <laughs> that is, that is great language for a watch, but no, you're right. But interesting Vinny, because what, um, what, what was your second watch? My second watch. Yeah. The, the 10K. 10K. That was a Seamaster 300. So, so you've gone three, <laughs> So okay, so that's your sport, that's your sports watch. Then you've got two dress watches. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. It's, it's about you. The vintage, also as someone who's not an expert and totally novice and just only dipping my toes into vintage pieces, I haven't got quite got the confidence in wearing a vintage watch every day because yeah. I know the steel's a little bit softer or things are a bit more delicate in some cases, and I wear my watches quite hard. I've learnt. Um, my Pelagos, if you've seen photos of my Instagram, is scratched to bits, which I love, but I'm not sure I would love that on a 2526 or a King Seiko. So I think my vintage pieces will be reserved for, you know, sort of dressier occasions. So that's why I've sort of lent that way in my, in this challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Wrap us up, Tom. Hit us All with right. the big blow. Where do we go from here? So I've obviously I've got no idea how much this watch would perhaps be a mil, maybe two mil now. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good price bracket. I, yep. I thought so as well. I thought so. It's Maybe appropriate. As well. Yeah. Um, just swipe your plastic for this one, please. Um, <laughs> I've I've chosen something that I that that I would wear obviously, and that sort of still suits my style. Um, I'm sort of generally speaking, I don't want to, I don't like to have people draw attention to, to my watches um, so much. So I've really been stopped or have anybody asked, oh, what's that on your wrist with anything that I've had. And um, to that point, if I could end everything and if I had money to spend, I would buy a minute repeater <laughs> uh, with a, uh, with a plain dial. And uh, I've mm. chosen a Patek, uh, Philippe uh, 2419 minute repeater. Um, I think this one has been sold a couple of times last time for, I think, 700,000 US in Hong Kong, um, purely because um, watches are obviously traditional um, and there's a certain amount of um, uh, romanticism that I have with them. And to have somebody, you know, 100 years ago in a workshop without electricity and without these um, machinery and tools, make wristwatches that can tell the time perfectly and heaven forbid, make something that can chime mm. and tell you the time. Um, it goes past blowing my mind. Um, I can't even possibly fathom how that could even, like, people could even do this. 
Um, so to have a, a minute repeater from, I think this is maybe from the 50s yeah. um, or the 40s, to have a minute repeater on wrist and nobody would know anything and I'd sit back in a rocking chair, maybe with my BB, and I would uh, I'd, I'd let it, two BBs, and I'd let it chime um, and it would just be a magical thing. Um, and yeah. I think if you showed, you know, a young person um, – what this watch can do and what it looks like, just a simple plan on watch and what it can do. And then if you popped up in the back and saw what would be a uh, magnificently finished glowing movement um, by Patek, um, I think it would just, yeah, it would inspire anybody to ask more questions about how, how is this even a thing for one yeah. and how is it possible? And I think it sort of encapsulates what fascinates me with, uh, with watches and watchmaking. So awesome. Patek 2419 minute repeater tasty that is a brilliant choice and i'm looking at one now and I, it's actually the the sticks and markers will be very similar to what vinnie chose um yeah, for his yeah but i what the thing i love about vintage watches and i wish that um modern watches would do this as well and and even we'll talk about one in a minute that kind of thinks they're doing it but i'm not sure that it is is the crowns look like afterthoughts and i love yeah. it yeah, I yeah, absolutely yep. love it. Like, you know, I was thinking about putting a bigger crown on my habring because I wanted the crown to stick up and out. I, I don't know what it is, but it just looks insane. It's mm-hmm. so good. So, yeah, anyway, another bit I, of a nerve thing there. Yeah, and look, it's one of those ones where the um, the pocket watch movements um, and the way they do those sort of um, three bridges, um, I think aesthetically they are the best-looking movements, mm. um, hands down, um, and Patek um, do some beautiful ones. And there's a Breguet minute repeater that was just sold on Chrono 24 that, you know, for some reason I was watching for about 100 grand. I was a new <laughs> one. Um, but it had, yeah, a sort of, it was a, um, a tribute with a um, sort of a, a new old vintage um, minute repeater movement in there with that sort of three bridges. And I thought, oh, that is just to die for, you know. Yeah. Because even even if we just talk about the crown for a second, even the Oris big crown, like it's it says it's a big crown and it is a big crown, but it's not like that and it's not like the vintage watches the way they used to do it. And even if you look at the old reversos, they're really thin crowns, but they stick up out and over the front of the dial. And I, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I just I love that aesthetic and a lot of those um, mid-century. Um, military watches have it as well they just like they all just had one crown that they used and they yeah. shared it whether it was 55 <laughs> mil or 25 yeah. mil same crown <laughs> yeah but, correct uh, all right well look that's uh, some really interesting watches there i think tom uh, i think we'll give you the win uh for that one and and i wouldn't have expected anything uh anything less but yeah very good very good thank you all righty we will, uh, and, and absolutely, Vinny said it before, but please go and do this yourself. These these battles are so much fun. Um, take your time because I know that when, you, when you're doing this by yourself, you might just be sitting there going, yep, I'd take that one, that one, and that one. That's easy. But really go deep into um, your refining your searches to things that are important to you and then put some f- photos up on Instagram, hashtag Fifth Wrist Radio, and we'll, uh, we'll have a look as well. All right, we will start to, to wrap it up. So, Vinny, you had a favourite review from the uh, Fifth Wrist website this week. Yes, I did. So the favourite review I have is by The Travelling Timepiece, and Travelling has one L. Uh, it's called The Original Speedmaster Mark 40. 
this watch is made famous by Bing Climber. It was his grandfather's watch, and I think we all know the 70s colours um, of this Speedmaster. It's not like the Moon Watch at all. Um, and this is first a really well-written review. Not that the reviews on the website have to be, but it was really well-written, so I'll give credit to the to the reviewer for that. But also, it talks about how temperamental the date change is, and not mm -hmm. to talk shit about this watch straight off the bat, but this kind of stuff you wouldn't get from a publication or a press release or someone who's trying to sell this watch themselves. Um, they're just, you know, they'd probably gloss over it or anything like that. But, you know, Fifth Wrist is all for the community. It's all for the enthusiasts. And I think it's really important that we outline some of the nuances about these kind of watches that you might not know otherwise until you've owned it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's a 70s and 70s piece, beautiful, bright colours, yeah. um, quirky, different size, different profile, and really well outlined here. So the review is by the Travelling Timepiece. Very good. Thank you very much. That's awesome. It's uh, those colours on that dial are sort of like um, Alain Silver Silverstein watches where there's sort of that green, red, blue. Yep. Um, yep. Very, very cool. Awesome. It, isn't it funny looking at the, um, you know, that obviously would have come up with a sub-10 um, battle we just did. The, the 70s and 60s chronos and, um, you know, um, stopwatch sort of type watches, they just use so much colour, just wherever you like, just whack some colour on there, orange there and blue there and red there, and, man, yeah. it looks good. So Abs good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's go follow some people on Instagram. So, Tom, we'll start with you as our guest. Who is your person to go follow? Yeah, sure. So a guy I've been following for a long time now is Homie Lou, H-O-M-I-E-L-I-U. Um, really, really cool watches he's got great tastes um uh he's got varying photo photographs on there they're always really really sharp um and a great follow for uh, lots of variety so um yeah shout out to homie lou yeah he's a great one he's someone i've been following for a long time and what what i like about him is he is he's all over it like he's he's liking stuff all the time he's he's actually fully immersed just sort of into the community and wanting to Spread the love. He put some great pictures up. He's, he has some fantastic watches as well. Very good. Thank you. Vinny, what about you? Um, so, oh, yeah, great great uh, suggestion, Tom. Um, yeah, Homely has been oh, following me since forever. <laughs> and, yeah, always first to respond to polls or, you know, questions or anything yeah. like that. Uh, fellow deadbeat owner for you, Anth, yes. with the geophysics. Yeah, such yeah. an awesome piece. Um, yeah, just really happy that you've mentioned him. So, my suggestion is the underscore watch DeLorean. Um, someone I've been chatting to a lot recently. Fantastic photographer. Um, has an Explorer as well. Has a Grand Seiko GMT. A whole bunch of amazing watches, but just takes the most brilliant uh, pictures. And, yeah, all-round nice guy. So that's the, Very good. the underscore watch DeLorean. I follow him already as well, which is cool. All right, we're going to jump on the plane and head over to Germany for my follow. So he is called New Watch Guy, but it's N-U-E Watch Guy. Uh, he's from Nuremberg in Germany, and uh, his, uh, his bio says, uh, you know, just another watch collector, but diversity over monobrandism. And I think when you start looking at his collection, you know, he's got Mings, he's got F.P. Jean, he's got... Um, Armand Strom, he's got Habring, he's got Alain and Zona, um, just 
awesome, takes great, great wrist shots, really cool, eclectic collection, um, obviously loves the independence, but he's got some paddocks as well, and yeah, just a, a really cool, cool feed for people to go follow. All right, I think that's a wrap. We are done. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on and speaking to us. It was it was a lot of fun, and, and you you can take the win for the vintage uh, with your <laughs> minute repeater Patek. If only they could be the um, the out music, um, the, the repeater gone oh. away. <laughs> That'd be something. <laughs> uh, we'll have to stick to the fifth wrist radio uh, intro and outro for now, but that's a good idea for for another show. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, go, Tom. I, I just wanted to say, um, you know, to you guys and to Alex and to Rob, um, really, really love what you're doing. Um, keep it going. I know it does take a lot of effort. Um, I've probably listened to maybe seven or eight or nine watch podcasts at the moment. Um, it's always nice to have some Aussie voices um, um, on, 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 the, on your pod. And, you know, I think there's a very special guest coming up as well. So congratulations on that next hit coming up. Um, and what I really love about what um, watch podcasts is, I know with like Scottish Scottish um, watch podcast, um, a lot of mumbo jumbo going on there, guys. But I still love you, and I still listen to it. I like <laughs> I like us because we're talking about watches, and I love talking about watches. Um, so yeah, just a big shout out and thank you guys so much. Thank Very you, Tom. Kind. Far too yeah, kind. that means a lot. And you know, we as I said, like I think as I said at the start, this is. By enthusiasts for enthusiasts, you know, there's there's a real community aspect to what we're trying to do and getting people out there and talking about watches and just sharing the love. So thank you so much. It, it really means a lot to us. Um, so for everyone else, head over to Fifth Wrist uh, and review one of your watches. We want to know what you think about a watch that you've owned or that you have in your collection at the moment. And uh, like and subscribe to the podcast as well. For the guys on here and for everyone else, stay on time. Fifth Wrist is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.